Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. And God took that smashed tomato of a man and he turned him into one of the greatest leaders of all time. So kids, when you feel like junk, you give it to God and you trust him because he makes great things out of messed up lives. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So I have a question for you. What if family devotions looked less like sitting in the living room listening to someone read and more like, hmm, how about electrocuting a pickle (laughs) or maybe converting a leaf blower into a toilet paper launcher or lighting toothpaste on fire? Oh my goodness. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But I'm actually not kidding you. My guest today is Tim Shoemaker, and he is the author of the very best hands-on, kind of dangerous family devotions, 52 Activities Your Kids Will Never Forget. I love the name of that book. He's going to help us think outside the box when it comes to teaching our kids spiritual truths. I'm excited about this conversation. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Tim. Thank you, Jill. Happy to be here. Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. So you say that we need to get out the safety goggles and start bringing the truths of scripture to life right at home. And I honestly, I can't think of a better time, a more appropriate time for us to explore this because many families haven't really re-engaged in attending church yet because of the pandemic, but they could certainly start by bringing church home in a creative way, couldn't they? Absolutely, Jill. And you know, even when, before the pandemic was here, uh, oftentimes parents could say, well, you know, I'm going to leave that to the church uh, to teach the kids. It was a mistake anyway. And so if anything, if this forces us to get out there and teach our kids uh, ourselves, That's a good thing. It is a good thing. You're right. You know, I remember when um, I was writing the book, My Heart's at Home, and uh, one of the chapters, because it's 12 roles that home plays in our life, and one of the chapters is home as a church. And Mm. I cannot remember the exact numbers, but I actually figured up how many hours a parent has with a child between zero and 18 and how many hours a church has with a child between zero and 18. And I can't remember, but I want to say it's like 28,000 hours for a parent and like 
1,800 hours for the church. So the parent has a bigger influence. Right. And Jill, who's going to be there in the middle of the night when the kids have a question or they're wrestling with something and they can't sleep uh, at those times when they don't maybe want to bother their Sunday school teacher or or youth leader? That's when sometimes the greatest business with God is being done is that Mm. late night, quiet, uh, when we can't sleep type of time. And who's there? Parents. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, many of us are uncomfortable teaching spiritual things. Uh, I mean, let's be really honest. A lot of people are uncomfortable with it. And part of that is maybe because we didn't see our parents do that. So we didn't have a role model. So this is all new for many of us. Would you agree? Yes, right. Another thing that was uh, sometimes a problem is that even if our parents did do it, it might have felt boring to us. I mean, we <laughs> kids, we remember being bored and, and, and we would die to think that our kids would be bored when we're talking. So we want to avoid it. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard often for men to teach spiritual truth. They're afraid that they're, they won't hold their kids' attention or maybe they're afraid they're not adequate or they won't know the answer or something like that. And so uh, they take a step back and um, we understand those reasons, but we, we want to get over those hurdles. Yeah. And that's really what we want to do today is we want to cast a vision for you to think about teaching your kids about God outside of the usual ideas of what that looks like. All right. So let's jump right in. Electrocuting a pickle. Really? (laughs) Tell us about that devotional and what does it teach? Oh, Jill, that one is so fun. You take a, a, a good sized dill pickle. Okay. okay, and you run on a plate or whatever. Now you take like a little, you know, like a light duty extension cord that you would have uh, for, you know, extension cord for a lamp or whatever. You're going to cut off the socket end and split those wires, expose them, put a wire on the head of a nail and then the other wire on the other head. And you're going to put one in in each side of this pickle. Now you put a little electrical tape on there so it's not going to shock you, right? And when you plug this in, you'll hear this sizzling right off the bat. And then all of a sudden, the pickle lights up. It's like there's lights a flame up. inside. Oh, yeah. It, it looks like a battle inside. And if you do it in a darkened room, it's excellent. And so, uh, you know, and of course, the kids love this. And then, you know, you, you unplug it. And you talk about the fact that, boy, it looked like there was a battle going in there. And you know what? This pickle is kind of like us as Christians. You know, we've got two influences, just like we had a negative and a positive lead going in here. We've got a, we've got a negative. We've got our old nature. And we've got a positive. We've got the Holy Spirit. And when those two are present in our life, we are going to have some internal battles. There's going to be some things that we want to do that we know we shouldn't or things we're doing that the Holy Spirit is saying, stop that. And so yeah. there's battles. And so by illustrating with this pickle, how we how we stop the battle, we can unplug. Well, all the battles are over after we die. So that's that's not that's not a valid uh, thing to do as a Christian. Right. But we've got the positive and the negative. Many times what people do is they push back the Holy Spirit. Once you take one of those nails out of that pickle, no more battle. Right. They push back. They quench the spirit. That's not what we want to do. We want to show them how we use the Holy Spirit and a little self-control. And we push back that old nature in this battle. And it's going to come back. We do it again. We do it again. It gets easier and easier until finally that's not a battle and there'll be another one. So um, it's just a great way to illustrate uh, that battle we're going to have in in our Christian life as part of our Christian life and how we mature as Christians. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. Do you recommend that that one is done indoors or outdoors? Doesn't matter. Okay. Um, you could do that. I, I probably have done that more times indoors just because you can go dark. And so it, but it won't matter for anything else. Now, some parents might say, well, that's dangerous. Okay. I, I hear you. Uh, but so are having the car keys on the counter. And they have them on the counter all the time. You train your kids not to grab the keys and run for a joyride. You do the same with this. You say, hey, you know what? We're going to do some things for family devotions that that are a little bit more fun. Maybe they're a little dangerous. And anytime you want to see that demo, we'll do it again. Uh, But I'm going to ask you that you don't try to do this on your own or we'll go back to Bible picture storybooks. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. So you're, you're setting some boundaries. I think True. that's important. Okay. So talk about, um, the leaf blower and the toilet paper. Oh, you can convert a leaf blower to shoot toilet paper. It probably takes about 10 minutes. You get a little paint roller, you know, that it, not the full nine inch roller. It, it's more like, it's a shorter one, you know, that you okay. do board. And, and you can just bolt or duct tape that on the end of your, the nozzle of the leaf blower. Well, okay. And now if you put on a roll of like thousand sheets, single ply toilet paper, and you turn that thing on, that will empty that roll in less than 10 seconds in one continuous stream, and it shoots up real nice and high. It is a riot. Um, and so, uh, of course, the kids love that activity. And so we do it like a little toilet paper race. Uh, we'll have a couple of kids. They can unroll a roll of toilet paper by hand, mm-hmm. and then we walk the leaf blower with one of the other kids, and uh, we show them a different way. The whole idea is this. Oftentimes, we go through life like the person with the toilet paper roll, working as hard as we can, trying, trying, trying. And we can't go much faster than that. And all of a sudden we come along with a leaf blower and we do this completely different way and it, and it blows away the competition. We win easily. And the point of it is, is that that's a picture of life with the Holy Spirit. You know, he does things in us and through us that we would never predict. And we don't see it coming. But the things that were once hard become easy because... He changes our heart. And so when we give him permission to work in our life, um, so many things that were hard in life can actually become easier, like loving others that are hard to love, uh, things like that. Uh, and so we use this little illustration with the, the leaf blower. And you can still use the leaf blower to clean your leaves. So it's not like you're wrecking. <laughs> right, right. And that one's not quite as dangerous as electrocuting the pickle. No, it's not dangerous, <laughs> at, all. Not dangerous at all. And, you know, Jill, it's important to note that these are devotionals. They're not Bible studies. And so with a devotional, really what you want to do is you want to get one nugget of truth across. That's your goal. And uh, not multiple points, but you get that one across. And what happens, you do this object lesson or activity and, you know, the kids are all enjoying that, having a great time, wondering where it's going. And then you tie in this nugget of truth and the two of them are just etched in their mind together and they don't forget. Mm, yes. Yes. And that's why it's so effective is because it, it mixes the creativity with the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and, and Jill, this is the way Jesus taught so often, mm-hmm. you know, he was the greatest teacher. And, you know, often we think about him going from town to town, uh, doing miracles and he did, of course, but they were all visuals. They were all object lessons. Here's a guy, he's lame. 
Now he's not. What did we just learn here? You know, and uh, we learned about his power. We learned about, or you know, he held up the Roman coin. Hold up, show me a coin. Again, it was an object lesson. So he taught this way mm-hmm. so often. And, you know, we have the Sermon on the Mount. That's the only sermon we've got that's complete of Jesus, that what he taught. But yet... The Bible says he went from town to town teaching in the synagogues. I know one time I think it talks about him reading from Isaiah, but we don't have those details. But we have example after example and story after story that that he used. Those were the things that God chose to put in the Bible where there was just these nuggets of truth uh, that we get. So it's extremely effective. Oh, yeah, it really is. Yes, I see that. Um, So. Uh, what about families that might have a wide variety of ages? Uh, they, I mean, that was the way it was for ours. When our kids were at home, we had 13 years between our oldest and our youngest. So we had quite a wide variety. What, do, what did you find? What do you find with uh, families that have lots of different ages? It's going to be almost opposite of what many people think. I used to, years ago, I used to have a studio. I used to be a studio photographer. And when I take family pictures, my focus was on the youngest. If I got the youngest, I could get them all. Okay. But, but with family devotions, it is the opposite, Jill. So my target are my oldest kids. So let's say we've got, you know, kids that are two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, you know, 14, whatever. My focus is going to be on my 12 and my 14 year old. That's where I stay. Mm. Now, I'll say this. It's more for shock value than anything. We don't care about the two-year-old. We don't care about the four-year-old. Not now. Not in family devotion time. Now, of course, we love them. We care for them incredibly. But our 12-year-old and our 14-year-old, they're closer to the danger, closer to the big dangers in the world. And we've got less time with them. We've got to keep it at their level. Because if we don't, if we kind of bring it down to uh, the little one's level, so let's say uh, we've got, uh, you know, Julie and she's, you know, four years old. Now, if we take this moment, we say, now, Julie, what we're saying here is what we're doing this. Our older ones check out immediately. Mm. We may not get them back in that devotional or we may not get them back again because deep down they're thinking family devotions are for kids because they were little kids when Bible picture storybooks were read to them. So they're thinking it's for kids. So we keep it at their level. We keep the interest level there and the little ones catch what they catch. Now, we don't just focus our eyes and everything on our older ones. You know, it's not like we're only talking to them. We're talking to the group, but we keep it at their level. But one of the ways we let them know it's for them is maybe we're done and we might say, so Jill, let's say you're my 14 year old. I might say, okay, Jill, you know, you can go off and do whatever you need to do or whatever you want to do. We're all done here. I'm going to make sure your little sister understands what we were talking about. Seeing that just that subtle little thing, you'd know, yeah, this was for me. Uh, or maybe uh, maybe there's a mess that I'm cleaning up and I'm saying, hey, Jill, while I'm cleaning up, we're all done. While I'm cleaning up this mess, would you make sure your little sister understood what we were talking about? Mm-hmm. And then I'll let you take a chance to bring it down to their level. Mm, yes. So you put them in a, a role of influence and that you trust them, that you trust them. That That really speaks value to them. Jill, yes. You know, I've never really thought of it that way. But that is a really good insight. I love that. You know, another thing that 
that helps if you've got an older one and you give them some responsibility. Let's say for whatever reason, your 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 one of your old ones are, are rebelling against the whole family devotion thing, and they're making it uncomfortable. You know, they're they're just making it hard. And you know, you might take them aside at a separate time and and, and talk to them why we need to do the family devotions. Maybe maybe it's been stop and start in in uh, in your family and. Uh, you need to explain why we're starting again. But if somebody's really having a hard time with it and they're older, one of the tactics that you can do is you take them aside and let's say, let's say our rebellious one is, is Mark. Let's say his name is Mark. Where do we pull that name out? Right. But, uh, <laughs> so you might say, Hey, Mark, uh, listen, I, I get it. I, I know family devotions. It's, it's hard for you. You're thinking it's for the younger ones. And this is a conversation we're having on the side with them, but, I really need to, I really need to teach this stuff. And I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I'd done more, but God's really laying on my heart and I want to do it. So I'm going to ask if you'd help me, would you help me with this? In fact, I'd like you to be my helper. So during the week, there's some things that we're going to, we might have to go to the store and pick something up or I might have to experiment with something to make sure we get this right. And then when we're doing the family devotions, would you help me run that activity? And then I'll just tie it up in the end. Now they're, they're being treated as they're older. They're not being treated as their kid. Mm. They're more likely to buy in, and in fact, they're still getting the lesson. Right? They're just they're just not rebelling against it. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, right there when you were just talking about taking them aside, and I think as parents, we forget that we are the leaders of our children. We are mm-hmm. their leaders until they are out on their own, until they become an adult age. We are their leaders. And I think too many of us have abdicated that role in our kids' mm-hmm. lives. We've, in essence, kind of made our kids the leaders because we let their temp- temper tantrums or their attitudes control things. And, and we're just too tired to deal with it. And mm-hmm. so we really need to step up and and recognize that we are the leaders and to lead our kids appropriately. And part of that leadership is teaching them spiritual things. So true. And and Jill, you think about it, how critical that little lesson that you just said is, especially in an age where, you know, mom and dad are being replaced by Google. You know, that's that's if they want to know something, they Get a quick answer there instead of asking. It was generally used to be mom and dad. Um, man, when I was wow. growing up, I was a, a, even an early driver. Uh, man, I'd be asking my dad, "Dad, how do I how do I get to this place?" Um, oh, he'd go through the directions and 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 draw a little quick map. He was good at that. Well, we don't need that anymore. Nope. No. Nope. Wow, I've not even thought about that. So many of the things that parents used to lead their kids on have been replaced yes. by technology. So it's even more important that we step up and lead. Gosh, I have not even ever thought about that. Yeah, it's a scary thing. All that artificial intelligence out there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's helped us. It's helped us in many ways. I mean, we all use it. But let's not miss the um, unintended uh, consequences of it that maybe we haven't even realized. And instead, let's step up and still establish ourselves as the leader and the authority in our kids' lives. You know, I I agree with that so much, Jill. You know, you think about, you know, family devotions, you know, as a whole, we're we're commanded to do it in Deuteronomy, but it's hard to understand sometimes why, because we've got the church and this and that. But, um, you know, if your listeners uh, 
went to Psalm 78 and looked there. What's really interesting there, in like between verses 4 and 8, it gives us a little section, and it helps us understand why family devotions are so important. There's like four positive payoffs. It talks about knowing God, trusting God, obeying God, and remembering God. Um, And, boy, that's what family devotions are all about. We want our kids to know God, not just know about Him. We want them to trust Him, of course, for salvation, but trust that His way is best and to obey God and not to forget God because we've got a lot of forgetting God in our world. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about uh, Deuteronomy. You said in Deuteronomy, we're commanded to do that. If somebody doesn't know their Bible or they're a newer believer, what does it say in Deuteronomy? Well, it kind of talks about the fact that we want to be teaching our kids uh, about God, about the principles he's given us to live by. And we want to make it such a natural part of life. It's it's sort of like the type of thing we, hey, we can talk about when we get it up or we sit down or we're at the table. Whenever we make it a more... Uh, just a part of our daily life. And two things I found um, by leading family devotions, Jill, one of them ties right into that uh, that principle. And it was after doing family devotions for a while, we found it became easier and easier to just talk about spiritual principles in everyday life. It just was a normal conversation. And that I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I didn't see coming was how often God was using the devotional that I'm teaching our kids to shape me up. You know, it's like when somebody, uh, you know, you hear when a pastor preaches or somebody's teaching or whatever, you know, that they kind of get hit right between the eyes with that lesson themselves. Well, that was happening to me. And over the course of a year, year and a half, I realized I was in a different place then I probably would have because you're making little course corrections. You're apologizing to the kids and to your wife when you you messed up when you just taught them, you know, all that. And what happened was this was huge. As a dad, I didn't lose their respect. And so in their teen years, they didn't rebel. Uh, oftentimes, you know, when kids see a, a division between what you say we're supposed to do and what we really do, uh, they see us getting sloppy with our Christianity, living a different way at home. That's really hard on kids. That that exasperates the kids. We're warned not to do that, right? Um, but it yeah. causes them to to push back and rebel because you're their hero. And you've told them to live a certain way. As they get a little older and they see you're not doing it, now you're destroying their hero. And that makes them angry. Mm-hmm. By leading family devotions, it helped me stay where I needed to be and kept my relationship better with my kids so we didn't lose it. Because once your kids start rebelling, you can hit them with the greatest wisdom in the world. They're going to push back and maybe go the opposite way in their pain. Mm. You know, uh, the other thing that can happen too, when we're in the word ourselves or when we're uh, applying spiritual principles is we can experience conviction where we go, Oh, I haven't done this so well, you know? Mm. Um, And maybe we then, apologize to the kids in that moment. Like we use that conviction as a a place to go, you know what? I realize I've been, I've been tired. I maybe you're doing something on words. I've been tired lately. I've been a little bit harsher with my words and I'm really Mm -hmm. sorry about that. And this is, this devotional is reminding me of that and holding me accountable. And, you know, I just ask for your forgiveness. That's powerful. 
It absolutely is. You know, maybe if, uh, you know, a husband says something to his wife and it was a little harsher than it need to be. And, and if you don't think the kids heard that, even if they're talking in the room, they heard it. And that's registering. And, and you need to stop and apologize to them, just like you suggested. And then, you know, and I've got to apologize to mom and I'm going to have a little talk with the Lord later, too, because uh, that's not the person dad wants to be. Yeah, that's powerful. Okay, so while we're talking about dads, a lot of my listeners are women. I have a fair number of men. I'm sure will be listening as this as well, but a lot of them are women. So what would you suggest for the woman whose husband isn't a Christian or he is a Christian, but he doesn't really want to pick up the ball and training the kids and doing something like this? How, how would you encourage her? Okay, so let's say he's a Christian for the first moment. Um, Realize what he might be going through. He might have grown up under family devotions and they were boring. He doesn't want his kids to be bored. Or maybe he's afraid the kids won't pay attention or they'll ask a question he can't answer. A lot of fear-based reasons why he might back off. So have that in the back of your mind that they're afraid of this. They're afraid that they'll fail. And the more mm. wife says how important this is, the more he's sure that, that he'll fail. He's good. Yeah, he'll fail and he's going to let everybody down and he doesn't want to be embarrassed like that. So uh, an approach that's maybe more likely to work is if she were to talk to him, you know, there's some things we want to teach our kids. You know, I want to teach him about following God, about these principles from God. Again, let's say he's a Christian on this one. Right. And I'm wondering if you can if you can help me on that now. That's a key word, help, because a lot of good guys are good at helping, but when they feel it's being dumped on their shoulders, they're going to back away. Mm. If you help me do this, okay, I'm better about helping, but I'm afraid the other's a formula for failure. So if she's asking him to do the thing in his comfort zone, hey, you know what? We're going to do this uh, devotional. You know, it says we need to take a ride in the car, and, and we're going to have to find uh, three or four places where if the kids are blindfolded, and you drive there, and they lift up their blindfold, they won't know where they are. Could you work out a little route that could fool the kids, do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, see, it's within my comfort zone. I can do that. And then mom can tie it in. What do the kids see? Mom and dad working together to teach nuggets of truth. Dad can tie it in too, if he wants. If he's not a Christian, I would focus on, there are so many devotionals in a book like this, and so many principles from God's word that are just good character principles, good things about how we treat other people, all that. He would have no problem with any of these if he's, you know, resistant to that. And so mm -hmm. you work together, but just make sure that it's in his comfort zone and you make it fun. Yes. I love that. So that you find his sweet spot, you find his uh, place that he has a strength and you utilize that strength. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to be in his, in his comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about just a couple of other ideas. Uh, you, you had shared some titles of devotionals with me, but I don't know what these are. So uh, before we uh, bring things to a close here, let's talk about just a couple of them. One is called smashed tomatoes. So oh, okay. talk about smashed tomatoes. Okay, so you know what? You pick up a, a, one tomato at least for each of the kids. Okay. And, you know, nice big uh, tomato there. And uh, I remember the, the, when we did it with, uh, with our boys, I said, hey, guys, for family devotions this week, we're going to plant tomatoes. And it was like, really? You know, that didn't sound like, no, 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 we're going to plant them on the driveway. I want you to throw them as high as you can, and we're going to splat them on the driveway. Well, now they were in, right? So 
that would be an example of outdoor, uh, but you could put it in a, in a Ziploc, gallon Ziploc, yeah. and, and let them smash it with their fist if you want to do it indoors, or they can use a rubber mallet. Any of that's fun. So you have the kids smash tomatoes. Each of them smashes a tomato. Okay. And uh, now you've got your shrapnel. Maybe it's in a bag or maybe it's out in the driveway. You say, well, what do we do with this? Do we put it back in the refrigerator? Do we throw it out? Is it junk? What, what do we do? Well, you can get either answer and you can work with that. You know, some kids are going to say it's junk. Throw it out. And then others are going to say, well, actually, you know, in the hands of a cook, a smashed tomatoes. Just the kind of thing that you need. Right. Yes. And so then your brainstorm. Yeah, actually, right. In the hands of a cook, what types of things do we need smashed tomatoes for? Well, pizza, lasagna, tomato sauce, chili. Oh, boy, all kinds of things uh, that the kids like. And uh, we say, yeah, in in the hands of a chef, a smashed tomato is just the beginning of some things we really like. Okay, you're all set up. And that's the way it is with these family devotions. You just you do some sort of activity. And then you're going to transition into a spiritual truth. And I would say, you know what, kids? There's going to be times in life where you're going to feel like a smashed tomato. You're going to feel like junk. You're going to feel like garbage. Maybe because you don't feel like you're the most handsome or the most pretty or the most popular, the smartest or the most athletic person in the group. Mm. Maybe you really messed up somehow. You're going to feel like junk. Can I just remind you of something, kids? When that happens, and it will happen many, many times in life. This is part of life. When that happens... I want you to remember that God is like a heavenly chef. He makes great things out of messed up lives. And they just tell the story of Moses, just the high points. They know it already. Hey, remember Moses? He was in a position to help his people. And he messed up and he killed that Egyptian. What do you think he felt like when he was on the run out in the desert? I bet he felt like junk. I bet he felt like a smashed tomato because he, he felt he'd blown it. He'd never have a chance to help his people. But God didn't want Moses just to use his position to help his people to make life easier. He wanted Moses to set his people free. And God took that smashed tomato of a man, and he turned him into one of the greatest leaders of all time. So kids, when you feel like junk, you give it to God and you trust him because he makes great things out of messed up lives. Jill, that is a message that is so simple, but our kids need in a way where they won't forget it. You know, you just Google junior high girls and, yes. and bullying and what they do to themselves, the, the suicide attempts or successes. It is absolutely tragic because people said some things Awful about it things. on social media and it was it was devastating. They felt like junk. Yes. They didn't have a grasp on that truth. Yeah. Oh. So, so true. Honestly, there are probably people listening to this today that needed that truth. Mm. And so thank you for sharing that. You know, what's really striking me, uh, my husband and I do, um, we do cousins weekends um, where we have all of our grandkids come on a weekend and we have them for 24 hours and we, we just have a blast with them. But I think that, you know, I'm going to present this to my hubby and say, oh, my goodness, we need to add these to our cousins weekends. Oh, these, my goodness. Jill, do it. Yeah. These because uh, our, our grandkids range from 11 to uh, two. Well, one, okay. 11 to one. But definitely, um, I think so many of these uh, we could utilize. So thank you. All right. Let's do one more. Okay. Where am I? Okay, so that's uh, we started to talk about that taking that little mystery ride before. So you're going to do a little mystery ride. So um, Dad will have worked out a little route 
that you can drive in maybe 10 minutes around the house where you, oh, I, I, I had worked out like behind the grocery store. So I pulled up right behind the grocery store, real close to the building. There's a dumpster there, a loading dock, and, and the kids are blindfolded. And then you say, okay, kids, lift up your blindfold. You've got paper and pencil in hand. You've got 10 seconds to write down where you think we are. Don't tell your brother or sister. We're going to see how many you get right. And you count off your 10 seconds. Okay. And you drive to the next spot. The blindfolds on. So we went into like an industrial park, things like that. So your goal is just to fool the kids where they're not sure. And then I like to go to a fast food restaurant sometimes if you do some an outing like this, because you know, you 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 walk in the house and and the kids they scatter, right? Mm. You go to a fast food place, they get their tray and they say, Where are we gonna sit? They're already coming. Right. And so so then we say, well, let me see your paper. Where did you have the first, second, third place? All you're looking for is a place that they weren't sure they didn't know. And then you just ask the question, you know, when you weren't sure where you were, were you scared? And they'd be like, no, no, come on, be honest with me. Did you feel like wrestling the wheel away from dad? No. Did you feel like jumping out of the car and finding your way home? No. Well, why? Well, the answer is going to be something. Well, dad knew where he was going or dad was at the wheel, something like that. You're ready to transition to spiritual truth. You say, you know what, kids, this is just like life. There's going to be times in your life where you're not going to be sure where you're at, why you're there, or where you're headed next. And just like you didn't panic in the car here, I want you to remember that God is at the wheel. He's in control. And you know what? We don't want to try to take the wheel from him. We don't want to jump out and find our own way. We want to trust him. Even when we don't know where we're at or why or what's next, trust him just like you trusted dad today. You know, in each room, we, we share a little scripture with them and, and give them that nugget of truth. Mm. And your book, you explain what the activity is. You give us the scripture. You mm-hmm. give us the any extra story that we can share if we want to. You, you lay it all out. So you really, this is plug and play for a parent or a grandparent. Exactly. Right. And so I'm so glad that you mentioned the grandparents, Jill, and even with that Cousins Weekend, that is so key. Sometimes it's grandparents that are in the position where maybe they've got a little extra time uh, or they've got that burden and they can do this stuff. Hey, with Zoom technology, they could do some sort of a thing with them, uh, even from a distance. Uh, you're right. Day. Yeah, that's absolutely true. If you're looking for a way to connect with your grandchildren that live a distance away, mm-hmm. goodness, you could apply so many of these things because they could gather their the, they could gather some of the the needed things on their end, and you could gather it on your end, and then you could do it over Zoom. I love it. Jill, I like what you said there because, yeah, can you imagine that if you just said, okay, uh, we're going to, we're going to do this, you know, activity and you're going to need to each have a tomato in a Ziploc bag and we'll talk to you when we, you know, when we have our Zoom session. That would be so good. You know, this is designed, Jill, just to be like a once a week thing. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, um, you do some sort of activity like this and and if people have got their own family devotion routine doing, they're doing great. Do that during the week. But once a week, you want to make it active. Object lesson oriented because it's really hard for kids to check out. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, the name of Tim's book is The Very Best Hands-On Kind of Dangerous Family Devotions, 52 Activities Your Kids Will Never Forget. And Tim, where's the best place to pick up that book? Well, they can pick it up wherever they Wherever they pick up their books, the normally books. it would be great to get it from a Christian bookseller, but you can get it anywhere. And, uh, and that's a good thing. 
It is. Absolutely. Well, would you close this in prayer and just pray for the parents and the grandparents that are listening and what next step they might take as they consider what you have shared with us today? Sure. And God, we do come to you now and we just thank you so much for your word, uh, Lord, for the principles you give us there. Lord, we pray that you'd help parents and grandparents listening. That there'd be something that they would have heard today that they would say, let me try Let me start with that and, and try that, Lord, that they would do that this week. And Lord, I pray that you give them great success with that. And just your spirit speaking to them, just reinforcing, this is it. This is good. This is what I need to do. This training, this next generation. Lord, we just uh, pray that you would help them Give them success with this because it's the kids, Lord. It's the kids. They need this. And this is one of the very best ways that we as parents can protect them and as grandparents. So, God, I pray that you would uh, help the listeners here. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.